0: When, when he was out and, and King Saul wanted to kill him and, and he was outcast and, and so he was running away. And, and in, in 1 Samuel 22, I'm gonna read this, 1 Samuel 22, verse one and two. And David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went out there. And here's verse two. All of those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And he became their leader. So here's what happened. David was, was, he was an outcast. And so he went out to the cave of Adullam. And uh, and all of a sudden, these people started following him out there. And all the people that were kind of the outcasts of society, those that were in debt, those that were discontented, those were the people that came to David. And, and it says that he became their leader. Now, I don't know about you, but there's, if you're some kind of leader, there's certain kinds of people that you want to lead. And Really, if you're gathering everybody around you to lead, you don't really want kind of the, the low and, 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 you know, kind of the outcast. And so David probably looked at these people that came out with him, and, and there's probably a moment where he was like, Really? Like, these guys, these are my people. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what happened exactly, but he, I don't know exactly what he felt. He actually probably did feel like they were his people. He was, in the, he was kind of the outcast. And so he probably was like, oh man, I, I, you guys are in debt? Me too, great. You know, like nobody likes you? Me neither, great. You know, but, but they, they, they went out and they went to the wilderness and they were in the mountains and they were in caves and they had all these crazy adventures together. And then in 2 Samuel, it starts talking and in reference to David, it starts talking about David and his mighty men, the mighty men of David. And I wanna read you just a few things that the Bible says about David's mighty men. 2 Samuel chapter 23 is where it kind of talks about them. I'm gonna butcher their names, but there was one dude. His name was Josheb Besheth. It's a pretty sweet name. It says about Joseph, uh, Josheb said that he raised his spear one guy raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Then there's this other guy, Eleazar. It says that he taunted the Philistines, so he taunted the enemies that had gathered around him. And the, when the men of Israel retreated, he stood his ground and he struck down the Philistines till his, till his hand grew tired and froze to his sword. His hand grew tired, froze to his sword, but it says the Lord brought about great victory that day. And when the troops came back, so when the guys that had ran away came back, they came back only to, to pick up the dead people because this one guy had taken out the whole army. And he just fought them until it was, so, it was obviously cold. And one dude fighting a whole army, his hand frozen to his sword, and he just kept going. Shema, this is a cool guy, says he stood his ground when all else retreated, and he defeated a whole band of Philistines. Abishai, he's one of my favorite. he's pretty crazy. Abishai raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed. Benaiah, Benaiah, here's one. Beniah went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Benaiah, on a snowy day. I don't know why it's important that it was a snowy day, but that's even worse than a sunny day. Like a sunny day in a pit with a lion, not the best. A snowy day, even worse. You know, so, so he went out and, and him and a lion hanging out in this pit, he's the one that came out. I'm sure when people saw them run into the pit, they, they, they expected one of them to come out, but i I bet you they didn't think it was gonna be the man, you know? So he went out, but then he also says that he struck down a huge Egyptian when the Egyptian had a spear in hand and all Beniah had was a club. This, this huge Egyptian had a spear, he had a club, and he went at this guy. These guys were intense warriors. These were the mighty men of David. But I wanna remind you, just one big book earlier when it was describing him, it said that they were the discontented. They were the outcasts of society. See, friends, when I, when I look at this, when, as we were on this trip and I saw that these guys that God uses oftentimes aren't the ones that we pick out to be the one, the, the people that we think God is gonna use. Oftentimes, it's not the biggest and the best and the strongest and the fastest. It's not the the, the sharpest. And we want all those things. Those are the people, for most of us, those are the people that cause us to live a life with excuses. Because, you know, I, I can't really make a difference at my school because I'm not popular so people don't listen to what I say. Or, I, you know, I... I I'm going to let other people be the ones that are going to really go out and, and share the gospel because I'm kind of shy, and so I, I don't like talking to people, so Jesus probably doesn't want to use me. But friends, if that's you, if you're not, I mean, if, if, that's, if you identify with these guys that, you know, that, that aren't the biggest and the best, if you feel sometimes like you're just a regular person, then you are exactly the kind of person that God wants to use. If you say, I don't know if God can use me. I don't know if I'm good enough. Guess what? He can. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. That's an encouraging verse. I wanna read it in, uh, in the message. It says this, take a good look, friends. Take a good look at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many of high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately, choose, uh, God deliberately chooses men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses. He chooses these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of somebodies. And that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by in blowing your own horn before God. See friends, if you look at your life and most of us, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we see what nobody else sees. And, and, and we see the things in our heart and in our life that we don't quite measure up. We're not quite the best. We're not quite the smartest. And even if other people think we are, sometimes we think, oh, but I know the truth. But here's the deal. God isn't looking for someone who has it all together. God's looking for someone who's willing. One of my favorite verses is uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah 6, when Isaiah sees this vision of heaven and God says, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for me?" And Isaiah says, "Here I am, send me." See, Isaiah was just a willing one. He was just willing to do what, willing to be the one that God used. When I was in high school, I used to tell my youth pastor a lot that I wanted to change the world. Uh, I felt like that was really what I was supposed to do with my life, and uh, I remember getting a, uh, like when I graduated, I got a book that he wrote in and uh, It was it was a book called My Utmost for His Highest, and he wrote in the front cover. And he wrote in it, he was like, Dan, I'll be praying for you as you change the world. And I was like, What are those quotations for? I mean, is he being sarcastic with me here in my graduation gift? I mean, he's all as you change the world. I'm like, that punk. What is he thinking? And um, maybe he was just actually quoting me. But, you know, so, so I was like, man, what is he doing? But I had this, I, I, that's what I wanted to do. I thought that was the end goal, man. I want to change the world. And I think most of us, most of us at our core want to make a difference. We want our life to count. We want to do something. Maybe it's changing the world. Maybe it's impacting your family, or impacting your school. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what it is that you want to do. But I think most of us want to do that. And so tonight I wanna talk a little bit about how you can. Acts 4.13, I read this earlier. But when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See friends, that's the key. That was the main thing that I took from these two weeks of going and and learning about the history of revival and the history of when God has moved on planet earth and, and hundreds of thousands of people coming to Jesus and entire nations being changed by these ordinary regular guys, these ordinary regular girls. And what it was, was that they had caught the idea that they just needed to know Jesus, and that that's their primary calling in life. I'm right now, we're reading in the furnace, we're reading a book called Cazone and it's all about finding your calling, finding what God wants you to do and writing a mission statement with your life. And that's part of the vows under, under, under mission is that we want, we want each one of you to, to work on writing a mission statement. God, God has great plans for each one of you and, and God wants to use each one of you. And, and, and a lot of times we pull back and, and we have too small a vision. We don't dream big enough for what God wants to do. But ultimately, the core of it all, if you want God to use you, you need to know Jesus. You need to be one that has spent time with Jesus. That's what, that's what they said of the disciples here. This, in Acts 4, this is right after they had um, gotten out and they were preaching the gospel and they were preaching about Jesus being raised from the dead. And, uh, and that he was alive and that he was savior. And so they were preaching this and, and they had seen a crippled man get healed right there. And he was walking. And so they pulled them in and they started questioning him and, and uh, the Pharisees were questioning them. They were saying, you know, what are you, what are you teaching? And do we agree with it? And I don't know. And, 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 and as they stood there, really, I mean, Peter and John, just, they just started telling the gospel. They just started telling their story. They started telling what Jesus had done for them. They started saying, look, we got some evidence, but I mean, this guy this morning couldn't walk and now he can. You know, I stood up on a little, on a, you know, I stood up on a tree stump earlier and I told about Jesus and 5,000 people gave their life to him. That's so, you know, we're seeing God do big stuff and, and they, weren't, they weren't trying to break down eschatology and they weren't trying to tell everybody about the exegesis of how to go through the old time. I mean, they just, they just showed their story. They said, man, you know, here's what Jesus did for me. And and as I talked to them, and as I looked at them, they said, man, these guys are just regular guys, but they've been with Jesus. They know Jesus. Friends, if you'll spend time with Jesus, he'll change you and he'll shape and mold you and and he'll, he'll lead you and direct you. So if you have a dream to see God move at your school, if you have a dream to see revival happen in this city, in this nation, if you wanna, if you wanna be a missionary one day or if you wanna go into business and, and see businessmen and women coming to Jesus, if you have a dream to lead your family well, whatever your dream is, man, the key, first and foremost, is get to know Jesus. Start spending time with him. Start hanging out with Jesus. Jesus. Philippians 3, 4 through 8. This is Paul. Paul actually was like hyper educated, hyper smart, you know, made sense that Paul is one of the guys that, that really has impacted all of Christianity. I mean, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. I mean, this guy, he was smart. He was, he he did a lot of things right. But even Paul and all that didn't find his identity in that. Philippians 3, 4 through 8 says, if anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he starts listing his credentials. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. So he kind of, in that, he, he was talking to the Jews and he kind of gave this list of why, all his credentials of why he was a good Jew. And then he says this, but whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, and here it is, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for the sake, I, I, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Friends, I wanna encourage you tonight. You can be someone that transforms culture. You can be someone who... God uses to impact your family, your friends, your school. You can be someone that, that spreads the gospel. You can be someone that, that makes an impact, not just on this earth. You can be someone that makes an impact on all of eternity. You can. Not because you're the best, not because you're the smartest, not because you're the brightest. Maybe you are all those things, but that's not why. The reason that you can do that is because you have the ability to get to know Jesus. Jesus. And he's the one that does it. Because ultimately, any, anything that, any success you have, see, our goal should not to somehow try, try to be famous for Jesus. That's what a lot of people wanna be kind of famous for Jesus. That's not the goal. The goal is to make him famous in all of the earth. I'm telling you tonight, you can do great things for Jesus, but it's not because you're great. It's because he's great. And so what it what it takes is just getting to know him. Which guess what? That's the really exciting thing. We serve a God that's knowable. We serve a God that is alive. And you can know him. He invites you to know him. He invites you to spend time with him. He invites you to hang out and get to know him so that he can can shape you and mold you. And and yes, I mean, the gospel of our salvation and the good news of of us, Jesus coming to earth, the whole point was so that we can have relationship with God. Not just so that, because God wanted us to, to just, you know, routinely tell him how great he is. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to know him. We serve a God that can be known. And that's crazy good news. So I wanna encourage you tonight, whatever it is, that, whatever dream you have in your heart, in your own power, it'll come up short. And even if you succeed in, in the dream that's in your heart, if it's not empowered by knowing Jesus, it won't satisfy you. If, if the dreams in your heart are based solely on your strength and your abilities, it's not enough. It's, but, but if you get to know Jesus, then his, his thumbprint gets put on your life. And he's the one that uses you, makes you and, and, and it enables you to make a real impact. Acts 17, verse six talking about Paul and Silas. These are guys that, this is Paul who I just read, who his end goal was to get to know Jesus. Acts 17, six says, talking about them says, these are those who have turned the world upside down and they've come here. I think, I think this room is full of people that wanna turn the world upside down. I think this room is full of people that can flip the world on its head. But the key to it all is getting to know and spending time with Jesus, being with him, These men, the the 12 disciples and Paul and Silas, what happened in their lives is that they got to know Jesus and he used them to do great things. Not for their own good, not because they wanted to, not because they had great plans and strategies. It was a simple relationship. As we spend time with Jesus, he he uses you and he shapes you and he molds you. and, and, And that's my prayer for each one of us. My prayer for you is not that you come up with a great mission statement and you go out and execute it. My prayer is that ultimately you spend time with Jesus because here's the deal. No one has the opportunity to reach your school for the, for the kingdom like you. I can't do it. David can't do it. Jared can't do it. I mean, the, no, one can, no one can impact your school like you can. No one can impact your family like you can. No one can make a difference in your sphere of influence like you can. And so if we keep waiting for outsiders to come in and do it, it's just not gonna work. It's not good enough. But if you, in spending time with Jesus, get to know him, get to become like him, then he'll use you to make a real difference. He'll use you to change and and talk to people and, and spread the gospel for the cause of Christ. I believe it's possible in our day. I believe it's possible in our time. We serve a God who's knowable. We serve a God who wants to use you. Don't limit yourself. Don't think that you can't be used. Don't think that you're not good enough because that's the point. When you're in that moment, that's the whole point. That's exactly why he wants to use you so that you can't boast in your own strength, so that you can't boast in what you've done. On this trip, we went time after time to all these places. And I kept looking for these guys to have done like these awesome, cool things that set them up for success. And you know what all of them did? All of them were committed to praying. All of them were committed to having a relationship with Jesus and the rest was just details. Because that was their core. See, as you spend time with Jesus, he changes you. And as he changes you, then he'll use you to change your world. Then he'll use you to change eternity. So if nothing else, what I was encouraged in on this trip and what I wanna encourage you guys tonight, don't sell yourself short. Dream big, but know that it's not on our own strength. So what does that mean? How do I get to know Jesus? Man, start spending time with him. It's what we talk about all the time. Try to... Every day, praise, talk to him like he's a real person because he is, you know? Read your Bible, say, God, what are you saying in this? What do you wanna say to me today? Start praying for your friends. You know, it may be on your drive to school, maybe while you're getting ready in the morning, maybe 15 minutes. I don't know how long it's gonna be. Or I don't know what it looks like for you, but start treating Jesus like a real person because he is. And how do you get to know Anybody? Amy and I have been married for almost two years and before that we dated forever and, uh, and all my friends laugh. And you know, when I first met her, I didn't know her. The way I got to know her is I started hanging out with her. I started taking interest in the things that she was interested in, band and whatnot. Maybe she took interest in what I was interested in. You know, but, but we started hanging out. We started spending time. We started talking. man. I want to encourage you, start talking to Jesus. Start spending time with him. And the, the, the main way that he, is, he wants to talk to us and the main way, main way he will talk to us is through the Bible. He's already said it. And so as we read the Bible, it comes alive in us. And as you pray the Bible, it becomes alive in you. And, and so, man, if you go home and get your Bible. And, and I want to encourage you, commit every day for X amount of time. I don't know what it looks like for you, but just, you're going to read your Bible and spend time with Jesus. And to say, Jesus, I want you to show yourself to me. Uh, Ephesians talks about the eyes of our heart being opened, so that we may know him, so that we may have wisdom and revelation in order to know him more. That's what I said earlier. We serve a God who is knowable. And so let's get to know him. If you want God to use you, then you gotta know him. And he'll use your strengths. He'll use the things you're good at. He'll use the things that that he's equipped you with. But it's not based on you. It's based on him. Go ahead and invite the band to come up here uh, tonight, right now. (laughs) Go ahead and stand with me. I just want to pray for you tonight, and then we're going to worship a little bit and be done. But well, I wanna pray for those of you here tonight that, that there's two people. One is those of you that say, man, I have a burden to, to really make a difference today in my school, right now, and in my sphere of influence. Or maybe it's your school, your family, your friends. But, but if there's kind of this burden in your heart where you're like, I really want to make a difference in where I'm at, then I wanna pray for you. And the second is, is those of you that, that you say, you know, I really don't know God. I mean, I'm a follower of Jesus and I've given my heart to him. And, but, but when people talk about knowing him like, like a real person, I don't, I don't understand that. So if you fit in either of those categories, I want, go ahead and just put your hands out. I'm gonna pray for you. This is kind of just like a posture of receiving and nothing super special about it, but it just kind of says to the Lord, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm open. I want you to do this in my heart. So Father, we welcome you to work in each one of us. Jesus, I pray for each one of my friends here tonight. May we be people that know you, God. May we be people that spend time with you. So God, for those that are just saying, Jesus, I want to know you and I, I don't know you like a, like, like a friend Even as Moses said that he talked to you like a man talks to his friend, God, I don't know you that way. For for those of us here saying that tonight, Jesus, I pray that you will open our hearts so that we may know you. Give us a a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you more. God, I pray for each person here tonight. We want to be friends of God. We wanna be people who are familiar with you. God, I pray that as they spend time with you, that you will open up their hearts and that you will open up the scriptures to them. And as they read the Bible, it will become alive in them and that you'll speak to them. God, I pray for those tonight that have a burden to really make an impact on their school or on their family or on their friends. Jesus, I pray that you will give them your vision, that you will give them your plans and your strategies, that it won't be about their strengths, won't be about what they can do well, but it'll be about you. Jesus, we love you. God, we ask for a move of God today like you've done in the past. God, we're asking for across the globe millions of people to come to know you. Jesus, we're praying for a revival of love to happen in this city where our hearts fall more in love with you and therefore we love other people. God, we're asking for a revival that actually sees culture changed here in our city, Jesus. God, I pray that you will do these things. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools.